Well, hello there, and guess who's back from a trip to Scotland, England, and Rome? <laughs> it's a me, Father Rodrigo. <laughs> I'm ready to record another episode of my weekly show. Unfortunately, last week I was too busy to record one, but uh, I'll make it up to you today. I'm always happy to bring this uh, uh, this podcast, but also all my YouTube videos, completely free from advertisements, thanks to my supporters over at patreon.com slash fatherroderick. So if you're one of my monthly supporters, thank you so much, because we all hate advertisements. Do you know what's going on? This is what's happening in your world. They said Catholics rule. We got Boston, South America, the good part of Ireland, and we're making serious inroads in Mozambique, baby. Taken your first step into a larger world. I had such a great time in England and Scotland and also in Rome. It was very hard work. We did days of between 12 and 14 hours of filming, of work, and running around everywhere. But the result is six TV episodes in barely two weeks. So that is a very, very good yield, uh, very good productivity. The downside is this week I am completely dead. I'm so tired. Monday, it was I was okay. Uh, it's still the adrenaline from the weekend and everything. And then Tuesday, I started to get trouble waking up in the morning. Wednesday was a disaster. And today, I'm just a, a zombie. I'm, I'm totally a, one of the living dead. And that is actually quite fitting because today is Halloween. At least the day that I'm uh, recording this, you may be listening to this on, I don't know, All Saints Day or All Souls Day. I'll explain a little bit the connection between these uh, three uh, three days in the segment uh, for the Peculiar Bunch Anyway, if you are not yet following me on YouTube, you should absolutely go to youtube.com slash fatherroderick and subscribe because that's where I've been posting my vlogs that I recorded during those weeks in, um, uh, mostly in Scotland, England, in Rome. I just had three and a half days to film three episodes of my show and also to record my uh, Star Wars Episode Nine trailer reaction. So I don't think I vlogged anything there. Not that I remember. But anyway, I've gotten tons of vlogs from from the various places in England and Scotland. And I've been posting them on a daily basis on YouTube. So go check it out. And with that, it is time for the uh, weekly segment about movies and TV shows. And I finally watched that movie that everybody wanted me to watch and was curious to hear my reaction. And I'm talking about the Joker movie finally watched it uh, yesterday and I've got a whole bunch of thoughts about it that I would like to share with you and of course we need to talk a little bit about Star Wars and Mandalorian and all that good stuff that is uh, just at the horizon it's almost November 12 I do not like movies they're predictable like the guy gets the girl and that kid sees dead people and Darth Vader is Luke's father not liking movies is like not liking puppies they're fine. I just get bored and never make it to the end. You know, you need a movie education. You need a movication. I'm going to give it to you. So, despite being very tired and also having a little bit of um, kind of post-Scotland, post-Rome blues uh, this these past few days, I did manage to watch the Joker movie. Finally, uh, the 2009 version, of course, because we've seen lots of different Jokers. It's uh, as if the DC Universe changes Jokers and Batman uh, like every two months. Uh, I heard that there's another Batman movie uh, on the horizon, and it's Again, another uh, actor is going to play Batman. 
I don't know. I have to be honest. I and you know this if you're a longtime listener. I'm not not a big fan of the whole Batman universe. I mean, I'm I'm a Superman boy. I grew up with Superman. Uh, that was a hero to me, and it was. Uh, also what I loved about Superman was that it was so upbeat. He was always saving people, helping people, very noble uh, uh, person. Whereas Batman always felt a bit dark, a bit gloomy, a bit depressed. I don't know. It isn't just, I, it d- doesn't fit my character. I'm just, if I had to choose, you know, between superheroes that I would be myself, I'd, I'd definitely go for Superman. However, we all know that DC, is, especially in the um, uh, movie universe that they tried to create, um, have chosen the path of darkness. One notable uh, exception, and for me, definitely the most enjoyable DC movie that I've seen for the past 10 years, was uh, Shazam. Uh, but unfortunately, with the Joker, they went even darker than ever before. I've told you before that I was actually even hesitating is am i going to enjoy this movie am i going to you know spend time on this 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 so doesn't feel like something i'm going to enjoy i saw the trailer and really did not at all connect with me but then i read the thousands of positive reviews and people that said oh you have to see this movie it's oscar worthy performance by uh joke in phoenix or what what that's his name i think i hope i pronounced that correctly um and it's it's such a uh, different movie, and I definitely suffered from the fear of missing out. I was like, well, you know, everybody tells me to go see this movie. I have my doubts, but I'll go see it anyway, if only to be able to say that I've seen it. So what did I think? Well, I've got mixed thoughts. First of all, let's look at the positive. This was a movie that was competently made, I, I'm not a big fan of the cinematography. Uh, it felt a little bit bland. Um, it was well done, but a lot of... It looked very much like a lot of the other gloomy DC movies. The acting, I have to say, was was stellar, especially from the main character who plays uh, the Joker, uh, Phoenix. Um, it, it's, it's a very physical performance, almost feels like method acting. Uh, He definitely lost a ton of weight in order to play this role. He looks emaciated. Um, It's a super intense uh, depiction of this mentally very disturbed person. Um, Was there any any music in a movie? Just songs. And uh, there was a lot of dancing in a movie. But I don't remember any soundtrack or any like let's say symphonic soundtrack if there was one then it was forgettable because i totally forgot about it but i think it was mostly songs it's kind of the trend nowadays with movies anyway and even tv shows where every five minutes there has to be a a a, a song that either is you know enhancing the the overall tone of the movie or is contrasting in this movie it was all contrasting music you hear lots of happy music and they, they played one, a few of my favorite songs you've got these you know smile even though you're crying etc a lot of these crooner songs that they played uh, which i have very positive feelings with but they showed it in a context where it's all like oh this is so depressing and 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 it's deliberately you know choosing cheerful music to show how terrible the situation is that you're actually watching. Any more positive things? 
Well, the movie fit. The movie was finally over. That was a positive thing. So yeah, you can already guess. I did not like this movie at all. Um, actually, I even have. And, and don't get me wrong. I don't want to insult anyone who really appreciated a movie. And it could very well be that I just don't see things that I should see in this movie. But uh, you know, my reviews are always very personal. Um, I'm, I try to be very honest. I don't try to kind of uh, keep a safe, you know, middle ground. Uh, if I like a movie, I'll tell you. If I'm super excited about a trailer, you'll see it because <laughs> I'm jumping up and down, almost get arrested on St. Peter's Square because I love Star Wars so much. But, but, but I also tell you when I really don't like a movie. And the Joker for me was uh, definitely one of the for me one of the worst movie experiences of the year. Um, again, not because of the quality of the acting. That's absolutely, totally agree with all the critics, but it's because of the message of the movie, or should I say the lack thereof. I don't understand why people like this movie, why everybody's so hyped up, uh, you know, so, so raving about it. Because to me, this movie is a, is a reflection of the total hopelessness, emptiness, um, that seems to hold so many people in its grip nowadays. Uh, if you if you look at the the way that people complain on on social media about the the, the state of the world, about the violence, the verbal violence in the world, the way people treat each other, the lack of respect, the lack of dignity, the lack of 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 positivity um, on all levels, especially in the, in the United States, in the political domain. The, the U.S. right now is such a polarized uh, country. The U.K. is also, right now, what I hear from my friends in England, very polarized. And and this movie reflects that, but it reflects the darkest parts of it without offering any hope, any relief, any, any direction. It's just that. It is total, utter, senseless violence, senseless, hopeless... Uh, <laughs> It's just, I don't know. Why do people connect to this? Do, do people ravel in just getting miserable? I don't get it. It's like a lot of the 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 people that... I get a lot of comments, of course, on the on the Star Wars 9 trailer. Like a, a, a ton of those reactions say, how, how, how can you be so positive? I always feel so bad. And so uh, the world is such a bad place. And, and, and like almost, almost all the Star Wars fans are, are uh, so negative about, uh, about Star Wars and uh, so, so hypercritical. And it's like, I, I was like, wait a minute, do we live in the same in the same universe or do I live in a parallel world? Cause I really, I watched that star Wars trailer and I'm just like, what, why are people negative about this? It's freaking star Wars. It's the conclusion of the, the, the movies that, that have uh, colored my life and have given me so much joy. Why all that negativity? But some people just seem to like that. I don't know. They, 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 if you look at YouTube, some of those vloggers that are just negative, super negative, always ranting about stuff, unhappy. Uh, look at another domain where people are super negative in certain uh, very conservative Catholic circles where, where they are 
like posting post after post after blog after blog, vlog after vlog about how horrible, uh, heretical, schismatic the uh, synod on the Amazon is and what a what an absolute horror Pope Francis is. They don't even call him Pope Francis anymore. This, even that, you know, courtesy is like they call him just Bergoglio as if he's not really the Pope. And, and so, but like I met some of those vloggers that are out there representatives of certain, you know, very conservative, right-wing, and I mean that in a very pejorative term and not political term, but, it, you know, these kind of, like, super, I don't know, creepy people. And, and I see them walking around there in the press room of the Vatican, and I see very unhappy people. Like, they can't, they can't smile. They're not friendly. They're not even talking to other people. They're just like hyper-focused on how can we depict what's happening here in the Vatican in the worst, most negative light possible. And I'm like, I'm in, I'm in Rome. Same time. I'm following everything that happens during the Synod. And I'm like, this is amazing what happens here. This is so hopeful. This is so beautiful. And like, again, I've got the feeling I'm on a parallel, in a parallel universe. That's what I had with this movie. Um, so one of, one of my beefs with, with Joker is, uh, first of all, it's superficiality. It's it actually, you know, regardless of the, of the amazing performance of the main actor, the story is super thin. It's just this guy that gets beat up several times and then starts taking revenge and losing his mind and and just killing people in the most gruesome ways possible. Actually, I I I <laughs> it's kind of weird, but people had told me that they wanted to walk out of the movie because it was so violent. So, in the end, I was watching this movie, I was like, okay, well, well, it wasn't as bad as I thought it would be. But, you know, objectively, it's horrible what the, what this guy does. But it's also, I think it's such a um, so they want to explain. It's like the 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 genesis of of this Joker bad guy, this ultimate bad guy. How did he get this aggressive, this destructive? And uh, it's a mental health patient. But there is no depth at all to the depiction of the of of his illness. It's all very you know yeah he's kind of he's got an affliction that he starts laughing when he's actually crying and when he's upset, um, and then when he's provoked time after time after time he starts killing people. Like okay, that's not a very good story arc, and that there's no redemption. It ends with him at the end of the movie just being. You know, just as crazy as he was, like halfway through the movie, and but then he's being becoming the hero of some kind of revolution, some kind of revolt. It reminded me a lot of the of the scenes a couple of years ago from the one percent. You know, those demonstrations, and I was like, okay, so why is he now all of a sudden the hero of this? Whatever, what, what what revolution is this? It's just protest. It's not even a movement towards a better society. It's just like, let's just destroy each other. What what kind of revolution is that? So he's not even a hero for the bad guys. It's just so empty. So empty. There are two nice people in this movie. Uh, at least for, for the first half of the movie. There is his mom, and that ends very badly. And then there's this this lady that lives in the same apartment or the same apartment complex as 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 the Joker, uh, a single mother has a child, but 
and and she seems to be the only person that that kind of cares for you know for this patient for this mental patient because you wonder is, is this you know is is this really is this really helping uh wait i get distracted because of my phone i forgot to turn off my phone uh, let me do that right away but anyway so even even uh that character at one moment is just gone they don't finish that story arc at all and like so they even take away the one person that kind of counterbalances all the negativity. I don't know. Love, what is the message of this movie? Why? And I'm honestly, I'm curious to know if you love this movie. Let me know in the comments uh, what made it work for you. Because for me, it was just a reflection of a society without hope. And the success of this movie makes me a little bit queasy, a little bit worried. Is like... If this is if this reflects the reality that people experience nowadays, then boy, do we need some hope. Do we need Star Wars? <laughs> really? After seeing this movie, it's like, I gotta watch at least five Star Wars movies to kind of counterbalance this negativity. And to give me hope, I watch movies, I watch TV shows because I want to feel good. I want to get ideas. I want to get inspired. I want to see... You know, and it doesn't always have to be a, a, a story with a happy ending and where everything is well. But even as a tragedy, this doesn't work because a tragedy tells you what the, the the choices that some people make that end up so badly. And then you you get to think about well, what would I choose in this situation? And maybe I would choose a different path, and things would end well. But in this movie, there isn't there. This person, this the Joker, has no choices because he's mentally so ill, and people are so mean against him like without any reason there's no motivation for any anyone who harms him uh maybe except for wayne the character of the so the father of bruce wayne uh but even there it's just like i don't people don't treat each other like that in general it's, it's such a distortion of reality so <sighs> Uh, sorry if you love this movie good for you but i really i was after 30 minutes i started watching the clock i was like i thought that i'd already been watching the movie for an hour and it was only 30 minutes like oh, i gotta go through another one hour and 10 minutes before this thing is over and then at the end of the movie it's like oh my goodness i so i'm so glad that this is over and this is another you know two hours that i'll never get back again I rarely have that with movies. Even bad movies don't do that to me. But this was not a bad movie. This was, I don't know, destructive to my soul. Um, and, yeah. Anyway, let me know what you think. And give me some ideas on how can I appreciate stuff like this. Because I, I don't. I don't. I'm sorry. <laughs> and with that, let's move over to a more cheerful... <laughs> Catholics rock! ...world. <laughs> <laughs> Hello, and welcome to The Peculiar Bunch. This is a segment of the show where I explain stuff that Catholics do. Catholics can be a peculiar bunch. No meat on Friday. No meat? What do they eat? Light bulbs? And I want to talk a little bit about Halloween, Old Hallows' Eve, and the Feast of All Souls' Day and All Saints'. Man, you guys got more crazy rules than Blockbuster Video. 
If you're a longtime listener to my show, then you can just fast forward for about, what is it, four or five minutes, because you've heard this many times before, but I also reckon that I have a lot of newer listeners that may not have uh, been following me for, for a while. So um, today's Halloween. I'm recording this on Halloween. I'm not dressed as a, you know, pumpkin or something like that. I, I do enjoy Halloween, actually. As a kid, I was already fascinated. So something, when I was young, we didn't celebrate Halloween. That was something that I that I got to know from movies. Like, I don't know, was there Snoopy? Snoopy cartoons? I remember vaguely something with Snoopy and Halloween. Um, and then it was something that you saw on TV. Uh, but definitely not a not a, a custom in the Netherlands that has changed quite a bit nowadays there's there are Halloween events for kids and you know commercially this also more and more starts to become viable for the local uh, shops and everything it's it's not yet at the point that that kids go door to door to do trick and treating we do that actually on the feast of Saint Martin on November 8 I'm just like wild guess. My mind is still a little bit broken after two weeks of work. But anyway, so, uh, but it's the same idea. This stems actually from a very old uh, tradition in in a lot of uh, our Western countries where the poor would go, before the beginning of the winter, they would go door to door and the rich people would give them food or clothes or money. Um, and that was usually, you know, for in, in case of St. Martin, that was connected to the celebration of the of St. Martin who shared his mantle with, uh, uh, with a beggar on the side of the road. Um, with Halloween, that was linked to the Feast of All, ha- All, All Saints Day, so All Hallows Day. And on the evening before that, the poor would go from door to door asking... You know, a little bit of holiness from the from the people. So the the, the pe- to honor the saints, people were invited to give something away. That's kind of what makes a saint. It's someone who gives himself away, right? And that w- w- was so. It was a very logical connection between All Saints Day and giving to the poor. And usually we do that with Christmas as well. When do you give the most to charity? It's around Christmas time, right? So anyway, that's where this idea of trick-and-treating come from. So where do the monsters come from? Where do the pumpkins and the ghosts and that come from? That actually comes from the feast that is celebrated in the Catholic tradition the day after All Saints Day. So on All Saints Day, we celebrate all the saints in heaven, including the saints that nobody knows about. And if you're in heaven, that's the fun thing. You're a saint, even if you're not proclaimed a saint, because you can only be in heaven if you're a saint. And don't think of saint as someone who's always like super pious. And, and in that case, I would never make a chance, stand a chance. But a saint is someone who is 100% open to God's love. So if your heart is 100% full of God's love, then you are a saint and you go straight to heaven. Most of us will probably take a little bit of time to get there. Uh, that's why Catholic Church has this idea of purgatory, where you can, you're, you're not going to hell because you, you have a lot of you know, love in your heart, but there are also lots of wounds that sin has caused in your heart. And, and God can give you time to, to open your heart, to, to heal in a certain way from, from what evil has done to you. Um, so it's a time of mercy, but it's also a time of suffering because you're not yet there. You, 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 you're made to live with God. You're made to be a saint. Everyone here on earth is called to be a saint. Um, we're, made, we're, we're called to love and to be filled with love, right? That is our vocation. Uh, not to walk around like a, a, a clown shooting people. Uh, <laughs> just saying. Um, but uh, the... the um, uh, 
so All Saints Day celebrates the saints that we know of, that we have statues and stained glass windows of, but also the saints, all the people that live in heaven and you know can be your own grandmother or you know people that you know that maybe is secretly lived a, a life full of love and are now saints in heaven. So that's what we do on All Saints Day. The next day, we commemorate all the dead, the people that we've lost, and it's a day of prayer for the people that are in purgatory. That's why I mentioned that the other minute. It's because it's linked to Catholic tradition always has a, a very huge solidarity that goes beyond the, the, the confines of this life here on earth. We keep praying for each other even though people die. We still are part of the same family. We still care for each other. I care for the, for the eternal uh, salvation of, of people that have gone before me. I pray for my grandparents. I pray for even family f- that I've never known um, because I'm family and that's what that's what family does. And I pray for my friends that I've lost. And uh, I've got listeners, podcast listeners that, that are dead now. And I pray for them. I pray for not just for the living, but also for the dead, because I, I hope that my prayer can help them to open their heart for God's love. And if they're already in heaven, they're already saints, and I don't know that, of course I don't know that, then I'm sure that God knows what to do with my prayer. There are lots of other people that may, you know, he may redistribute my my loving care to people that, that truly need it. But anyway, so that's why the day after All Saints Day, we All Saints Day, we pray for everyone who's in heaven. All Souls Day, we pray for everyone who's dead, either in heaven, but also the people that are in purgatory. Um, and that's why in, in, in you know, centuries, centuries ago, people would go, and still up until today, in many parishes, people go to the graveyards, and they light candles, they put flowers on the graves, they clean the place. It's a, it's a very, I think it's a beautiful thing, to rem- not, not just to remember those that you've lost, and to be grateful for everything that they gave you, um, it's not just commemorative. It's 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 also there is a, a a true connection with the people. They're gone. We can't see them anymore. And when we go to the graveyard, it's of course their remains. That is that is just the dust out of which we are made. But the souls are eternal. The souls are still there. They live in God's eternity. So there is still this connection. And I know from my parishioners that a lot of people actually feel that connection on a day like that. They go to the place that they associate with their beloved with their loved ones but when they close their eyes they're connected to the living souls of these people and so the the custom of going to the graves and to honor the people that have fallen away that of course we're human led to creepy stories because there is something about death that fascinates us we 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 dream about eternal life about God. We hope that it's true. We, we try to believe it. Sometimes very hard to, to believe it because we have no proof. No one ever came back except for Jesus. <laughs> so, um, but, um, uh, and at the same time, it creeps us out because it, death is so definitive and it's such a, and, and we know that it's inevitable for us. Even if we live to, to see a hundred years, ultimately, a couple of years later, we'll be dead as well. So it, and that scares us. And, and we don't know how to handle it, but there are ways to handle it. How do, how do we handle trauma? How do we handle stuff that, that we need to think about? We tell stories. That's what we do. If we, if we want to dream, if we want to think about hope, 
you know, we tell stories about Jedi Knights that, you know, in a, in a terrible world where the, the Emperor rules everything, we tell a story about this young boy on a planet of Tatooine with a lightsaber and he's going to fix things. And, you know, if he can fix things, then maybe I can fix things too. So the, we tell stories and we do that also with, with, with the big, biggest, the thing that scares us most is death. So we tell stories about ghosts, about zombies, about uh, you know creepy skeletons, and, and 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 that makes that makes it easier. We laugh about it. You know, if you're like me, scared of scary movies, what what happens when you're scared out of your brains? You know, you're watching I don't know aliens, and then all of a sudden you've got this alien. Ah! What hap- What's your immediate reaction? First one is you get almost a heart attack, and the second one is you start to laugh. We always laugh when we're when we're scared, when we're nervous, we start to laugh. It's kind of a bit like the Joker, but then less, you know, without medication. Uh, but we we laugh it off. And that is, I think, why ultimately this evolved into these dressing up parties where kids will, you know, and even even E.T. did that, dressed up like a ghost. Um, we 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 laugh it off. We know that it's all fake. We know it's not really skeletons and zombies and ghosts out there it's just kids dressed up and uh but it 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 makes us less scared right because it's just pretend it's make believe it's just a story and that makes us less afraid so it's it's i think a very logical evolution but i think the true the true message i think of these days goes deeper than it's just a story, it's just make-believe, it's just, you know, costume. Ultimately, what ma- what helps me to handle this idea of, well, there's a, I'm going to die one day, and I know that because everyone who came before me is also dead. Um, uh, what helps me deal with that is faith. It's this idea that um, when we're dead, we're not really gone. And that's what we celebrate in the Catholic tradition with All Saints Day and All Souls Day, they may be dead. They may be not visibly in this world anymore. But I truly believe that the people that I've loved and that have loved me are still there. I I can't really explain how, and I you know I can you know think as a theologian I can think about it, but I can never grasp it. I can never prove it, but I can believe it. I can trust it. I can have faith. I can have hope for them and for myself, and that hope and that faith helps me deal with this inevitability of death because it it counteracts this you know it's going to be all over like it's all going to end in a uh in a dead end literally like death is a dead end like like, kind of like the joker the, the movie is like so that's it so there is no hope no future it's all going down the drain and everything is like a total disaster that the end of our story or i would say no i i'm from the generation that always believes in a new hope there's always a new hope even if everything seems to go downhill like clone wars and the senator that becomes the senate and then becomes the emperor yeah good good everything is going according to plan except for this one jedi from tatooine who doesn't really fit into this master plan? And uh, like like little Hobbit Frodo, who you know, together with with Schmeagel, destroys the ring and 
Captain Sauron with all his power is like, oh, I thought that I'd I had Middle Earth in my grasp, and now bloop, uh, it's over. The good guys won. That's that's kind of that's my hope. That is that is what helps me to stay upbeat. That's help helps me to relative to always remember that suffering, pain, um, a polarized society, all that will pass. It's not going to last. It's not the it's not the the final word on my existence or the existence of the world. I'd rather live in that perspective than it's all going down the drain. All right, enough about that. Let's move over to the world of books. When did you become an expert in thermonuclear astrophysics? Last night. The packet. The extraction theory papers. Am I the only one who did the reading? I did a little bit of reading. I continue to read the, this book uh, written by Michael Straczynski, who is the, uh, the, the, the writer of Babylon 5, uh, of uh, Sense8, uh, and a ton of, of DC comics, actually. He's been, and also in the Marvel Universe, he wrote for both superhero universes. And it's someone that I've always been fascinated with, uh, a writer with so much depth that I wish that he would be involved in every science fiction story, every... I mean, he should, he should write a Star Wars. I think he would be a fantastic screenwriter for a Star Wars trilogy. Um, maybe one day. Anyway, so he wrote his memoirs or his uh, life story, and I'm listening to the audiobook. And I'm now at the part where he uh, continues to, to, to talk about his, um, about his upbringing or the lack thereof. He had a mother who was mentally very, very ill, tried to kill him several times. I mean, she, the stories he tells is like, oh my goodness, how can any child survive that? And then he says, one day I read a Superman novel or a Superman comic. And I was like, I want to be Superman. And he totally identified, as a child, he identified with the character of Superman, who is always, who always takes a high road, who never takes revenge, but always protects the people, who is so noble and so good. And he's like, even if Superman doesn't exist, I can still try to be Superman. I can try to do good. Uh, I know that my life is short. And, uh, and at a very young age, he was confronted by death, uh, and mental illness of the people around him. And instead of choosing to to be taken down by that, like like in The Joker, um, he chooses the opposite. He encounters Superman, and Superman becomes for him what Luke Skywalker was to me when I was young. It's an icon. It's, it's someone that you can relate to and that shows you that there is another way out. And that, there, that you can choose another path than the people that came before you or even the people that are responsible for you. And it's, I, was, I was so moved. The way he tells that story and the way that... Super, and the book itself is called Becoming Superman. And I found it so inspirational that uh, this young boy at the time who, who was you know, on the verge of dying several times and was there was no love in his life. That, that it's a fictional character of Superman um, that, that transforms his life and, and, and changes his whole attitude. And I'm like, wow, 
this the this this the power of stories the strength of stories it's it's absolutely amazing and so inspiring so i am uh very much enjoying this book and I, this is only like in chapter 3 or something like that so i'm really looking forward to hearing more about how he actually managed to become superman in a certain way become this protector of good and I, I think you can totally feel it in the way he tells his stories. Um, Babylon 5 is, is a great example of, of actually, I, in my opinion, a very religious story. Straczynski is, is not brought up in faith, and as far as I know, he's agnostic. But he's got such an incredible religious sensitivity and intuition, and he connects to stuff that I think are actually reflecting what god wants us to understand superman himself is a is a messianic archetype so it's a story that reflects something of the messiah and it's not by accident i think that uh he was created by jewish uh, uh artists there is something of this messianic hope in the original superman stories so just like jesus superman um, is kind of from this world, and at the same time, he's not. And he's got supernatural powers, but he uses them to to save humanity and save mankind. That is was why I was so disappointed in the, the way in the DC universe and the way they, they tried to turn Superman to the dark side and by making him a horrible person uh, in, in, in these last few movies. And there's a little bit of redemption, and they try to do like a resurrection thing, and but it so fails because the the writers of those movies don't understand archetypes. They don't understand what makes Superman Superman and why Superman, the way he was, is so meaningful. Superman and Batman, in a certain way, are two sides of the same reality in which we live. You have Batman, who's gloomy, who's desperate but kind of still takes that darkness in him to be a protector and he's a bit of a vengeful kind of dark protector but still he is still trying to save people and superman does that but it's on the light side of things you know he's he's so powerful that he doesn't have to fear anyone except for kryptonite but pff, what's a little kryptonite you know there's always a there's always a way out um but both superheroes are are I think archetypes of of Messiah figures of, of of what Jesus would become, what Moses was to his people. Um, they are endowed with power from beyond themselves, but they use that to serve. They use that to save, and that's I think a very inspirational message, and it can turn lives around. I'm an example of that. So. Um, yeah, highly recommended so far. I love it. So you may want to check it out. Let's go to the world of science fiction since we're already on the topic. And we need to talk a little bit about Star Wars. Is there hope for that galaxy far, far away? Because things seem to fall apart a little bit. <sighs> what to think about it? I'll let you know in this segment about science fiction. And I'm trying to fill the space before this long jingle is finally getting to the point. Come on, jingle. Get to the point. Not yet. Almost there. Almost there. Stay on target. There we go. I see aliens. Little aliens from outer space. And how are things in outer Plutonia? How many times have I told you not to wear your space boots in the house? 
go to shape. I mean, you can donate my body to science fiction. Get your suit on! We need ya! So, bad news for Star Wars fans. Of course, there's a lot of good news as well. The Mandalorian trailer, the final trailer. Finally, I think it's the final. Definitely the second trailer for The Mandalorian came out. I gotta be honest, I haven't seen it yet. I may record a reaction video right after I'm done recording this show. Uh, but uh, So, I haven't seen it yet, so don't spoil it, please, in the chat room. I've seen the trailer for Star Wars 9. That fills me with a lot of hope. I think this is going to be an awesome movie. And... But then there was bad news. Uh, for year, for two years now, Disney has been touting this collaboration with the two writers for the Game of Thrones television series. So successful, except for the last season, apparently. I haven't seen it yet. But uh, a lot of the fans were very disappointed in the writing for that final season. But those writers were hired by Disney to tell another story in the Star Wars universe, but in a totally separate time frame from... The, the existing nine movies about the Skywalkers. And we were all, as Star Wars fans, kind of hoping that it would be a story from an even longer time ago in a galaxy even farther away. And maybe it would be about the Old Republic, about, you know, ancient times. Because that why would you hire Game of Thrones writers if you didn't want to do something that is like middle-agey or something like that? Well, it turns out, according to rumors, that they were actually working on the story of how the Jedi Order came about, which I think is absolutely brilliant. That gives so much chance for a good story. How? Because you can tell an almost religious story. This is about the making of a almost monastic order of lightsaber-yielding heroes. I mean, that is such an awesome story to tell. But they stepped away from it. They... T- said in their official press release that they had also been hired by Netflix for a nine-figure amount of money, and Netflix just wanted them to get started right away, so sorry, no more time for Star Wars. Well, sorry about that, but if you have a contract with Disney, there is more to this. You can't just step away because, oh, well, in hindsight, we're a little bit too busy. Oh, sorry, didn't see it coming. No, of course there's something more going on. So apparently... And this is all, of course, rumors. There were creative differences. There are always creative differences. Um, they were, according to the rumors, um, moving in a direction with the story that was, you know, not to the liking of K- Kathleen Kennedy, who was supervising, of course, the, the development of the Star Wars uh, franchise. Um, and several other people at Disney just didn't like the direction that the story was 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 taking um and that and and then when they got hired by netflix uh disney openly started talks with other people to to step in and to help because they were like well if you guys are going to work for this huge project for netflix then yeah we're we're going to play it safe you know star wars is kind of important to us so and, and i i don't blame disney for that that's what everyone would do let's work on a contingency plan we, they've learned from what happened with Solo, where all of a sudden they're without directors, and uh, and that has cost them a ton of money. And I think it was one of the reasons that Solo flopped. Um, but but um, with this, I'm thinking that they, you know, knowing what happened with Solo, there's like oh, this is not going to happen a second time. Let's just you know cover our bases. Let's try to see if other people can help us with this, you know, upcoming because this was supposed to be the next trilogy. And if this were about the the origin, the genesis of the Jedi, I think that would have been the perfect 
uh, follow-up to the Skywalker saga. So maybe that's still the plan. Maybe Disney knew that this is never going to work with these two guys, both because of their, their new contract with Netflix, but also because, well, this, this may not be what, what, what is going to help us uh, uh, build this franchise. And, and <laughs> Disney really needs a good new idea because uh, they can't keep you know, milking the existing stuff. They can do that with television, of course, and they're going to do that with The Mandalorian and with the Rogue One prequel series and with uh, The Clone Wars, and I'm pretty sure they have a ton of other projects that are going to... I'm still hoping that we're going to see a solo sequel in the form of a TV series. If they can do Kenobi, they can definitely do solo. They already have all these guys under contract. So here's my prediction. You, next year, not this year, next year or the year after that, you will see the announcement of a follow-up series that will continue the stories of the solo movie, thereby making the solo movie also, uh, you know, obligatory viewing for the Star Wars fans. So, um, yeah, they'd be foolish not to do that. But you can't do that with a new trilogy. You've said to everyone, the Skywalker saga is over. You can't go back. You need to come up with either something in the future or in the past. And my guess is that they wanted the Game of Thrones guys to do the past, go back in time, do something that is so far away from what we know in the Star Wars universe that it gives you a blank slate. And it also doesn't give you all these continuity problems that you had with the prequel so far. Um, but at the same time, it would still be in this familiar People would want to see this because we already know the Force, so it would or it would still speak the language of Star Wars. Um, and then I think they hired Ryan Johnson to do the opposite, to do stories about what happens after the the um, the rise of Skywalker, and that also may be centuries away from the events that we see in the current nine movies. That I think was the original plan. And they wanted to do the Game of Thrones thing first because these writers have proven themselves. And then do Ryan Johnson, who is still kind of in hot waters because part of the Star Wars fandom doesn't like him. But they could just let that cool down. Let J.J. Abrams kind of fix what happened with the Return of, uh, with uh, the, the Last Jedi. Uh, because I, I still think that The Last Jedi will be better once you see how all these story threads are wrapped up in the in, in the ninth movie. So I, I think that... that that may be able to kind of mellow out a little bit of this, you know, most of the Star Wars fans. And then you can bring back Ryan Johnson, you know, after a couple of years. I think that was the original plan. But now that these two guys have stepped away, uh, what are they going to do? My guess is that they have only announced it because Disney already knows that they have a solution. This is the way the industry works. This is not like Disney waking up one morning and is like, oh, Kathleen Kennedy, what? oh, what? You guys are going to go away? Oh, my goodness, what are we going to do? Uh, quick, 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 let's put Ryan Johnson in that time slot. Because the first movie was scheduled for 2022. We already know that. So that means that they have to start filming next year. I think that everything's already solved. They just wanted to give these guys a, a, a nice way out, not the, you know, what happened with Solo, where they really had to fire those two directors. But in this, like, just you announce it, say it's because you're too busy, not because we have creative differences. That's not, it's never good for a franchise to hear that. And my guess is, 
Kevin Feige is going to step in as a producer of the next trilogy. Because they know that if you bring in Kevin Feige, everybody's going to be excited. And really, the Marvel Universe, the MCU, does not really need Feige anymore. That's solidly, uh, you know, that's working. Whatever they do is going to work. Star Wars needs a guy like Steven, like Kevin Feige. And, and now I'm connecting the dots. I was like, hmm, that's only very recently that all of a sudden Star Wars came with this out-of-the-blue idea of Kevin Feige could do a Star Wars movie. Turns out he had actually an idea for a story that he pitched to Disney. But I'm thinking that Disney already knew that the two other guys were going away. And it's like, huh, what if we kind of pre-announce Kevin Feige and then now that these two guys are stepping away, we say, well, you know what? Kevin Feige was already on board and he's been so gracious and willing to take over that story idea and... You know, it's even better than the Game of Thrones fans. Remember that last season of Game of Thrones? Well, we're bringing in the big guns. So rejoice, cheer, cheer up. It's only going to go, it's going to even be going to be better than what we had. That is a great message to pitch to your Star Wars fans. That's kind of my two cents on what's going on right now. We are on the cutting edge of technology. Wow. Well, what does that mean? Plug it in. It's going to say, hey, I see you plugged in a new device. And it's going to load in the appropriate drivers. You'll notice that this scanner built... Whoa. Well, all your technology stuff, it just ends in disaster. But there is one more thing. It is one more thing. It's always one more thing. There's always one more Star Wars movie. One... One more... One more Jedi. One more, there's always... There's always something. Anyway... Uh, this is my tech segment, and I wanted to share with you a few of my experiences in finally vlogging with my beautiful, I love this phone so much, my Asus Zenfone 6. The only thing that really doesn't work, but I think it's because of my hands, is the unlock, the um, fingerprint unlock. I have weird fingerprints also on my iPhone. It never worked because my fingers, they lose their imprint or something like that. I think I'm actually a cyborg. Maybe I don't have fingerprints. Do I have fingerprints? Anyway, never works. But this phone is so awesome. Uh, I bought this phone because of the camera. It's got two cameras on the back of the phone. One is a wide angle and, and very high quality, and one is a regular camera. But the cool thing is that those cameras are in a module that can, that can flip up, and then you all of a sudden have the same quality cameras on the front of the camera. So it, it just... It's, it's so... Such a cool idea. You flip it up, and all of a sudden, you can film yourself with wide angle, which is very rare in cell phones. There's usually a wide angle on the back, just like with the iPhone 11, but there's almost never a, a wide angle, especially not a, a high-quality, super wide angle, on the front. And I don't understand that, because it's so awesome for selfies, for vlogging, whatever, if you're serious about vlogging you want to do with that with your phone make sure that you have a wide angle lens on the front of the camera it's even more important than on the back of the camera and this is one of the few cameras that actually gives me that it's decent quality and what i also like about this phone is because of this camera module you have a completely bezel-less uh notchless front of the phone i could never switch back to an iphone or whatever phone with a um you know, one of those black camera 
uh, cutouts in the screen. It's it's uh, you get so used to having a full screen phone. Um, and also, this camera has an amazing battery. I can go three days without charging, and that's using it <laughs> on a normal, you know, day to day usage. I can get three days out of this battery, which is for vlogging, fantastic. So, uh, I've been um, I've been trying this thing out in Scotland and England. And well, if you want to see for yourself uh, how what the results are, just go check out uh, my YouTube page. The only thing that is a little bit uh, 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 of a handicap with this, this flip-up camera is that once it flips up, it leaves a gap in the backside of the, of the phone. So it got a little gap. So what happened? While I was vlogging, um, I, I, was, I was in, the, in a cave uh, that, you know, many centuries ago was the dwelling place for a famous monk. I'll tell you all about it in my vlog later on. And once we were f- done filming in the, in, the, in the cave, we were very hungry. It was already like four o'clock in the afternoon. And the morning, that morning, we had bought some sandwiches with crab salad. And that was literally made with crab that had been caught that night. Uh, we bought that in Oban. And Oban is a fantastic uh, town for seafood. So... We have these sandwiches, and I was like, oh, this is cool. i got to make a selfie with that nice wide-angle camera. So I, I, I flip, o- flip the, the camera around, the camera lens around, and I want to show my sandwich to the camera and taking a selfie. And that moment, the contents of the sandwich, this very gooey, nice, beautiful, tasty crab salad, falls on my camera. And it covers the entire camera module. So it's the both lenses. There's this thick blob of gooey crab salad with mayonnaise and all that other stuff. And it's also, and that's even worse, in the hole on the back of the camera. It's completely filled with crab salad. There is a microphone on top of the camera module. And another microphone, noise-canceling microphone, on the back of the camera module. Both of them are completely filled with crap salad. You know what I said when that happened? It sounds like crab. <laughs> and then I said it a thousand times. And I was like, ah! It's the worst thing. It's like having a brand new car and getting a dent in the side of the car. That's how it felt. I was like dying there. I really was not happy. And I hadn't, I, like, I was in the middle of nowhere. This was near the sea. This was far away from everything. Even the car was parked miles away. And so I needed to get that crap salad out of my phone as soon as I could. And, and, the, and I couldn't really get rid of it. And it was in every nook and cranny. So that is the only downside of this camera phone. You can't eat sandwiches with crab salad while you're using it. And it's like, what are the odds that this happens? Like in real life, if I'm eating a crab sandwich, what are the odds that I spill something on my trousers? Well, that may happen once every five years. But what is what are the odds that you're holding a 500 euro camera phone in your hands with 
you know, the camera module flipped up to take a selfie that happens like once every day. So that is one minute out of how many minutes are a day? You know, anyway, what are the odds that instead of spilling this crap sandwich on my trousers, I spill it on this expensive phone that I need for the entire duration of my stay in Scotland and Rome? You know what it is? I got it out of the phone and it still functions. And it, you can't really tell from the quality that this thing has been covered in crab salad, but you can still smell it. Every time I use this phone, I was like, I smell crab salad. <laughs> oh my goodness. Technology. I never thought that I would need a waterproof phone. Because I let it swim in crab salad. <laughs> well, anyway, that's what I wanted to share with you. Thank you, thank you so much for uh, hanging out with me. Thanks for the people in the chat room as well. If you want to see this, uh, this show in real life, then make sure to keep an eye on my Facebook page. And subscribe to my YouTube channel. And if you click the bell icon, it will actually, well, most of the time, it will notify you when I go live. So... If you want to ever join the chat and be uh, an active participant in these shows, then make sure you follow me on YouTube as well. YouTube.com slash Father Thanks to my patrons and thanks to you all. I will be back next week. I'll be back.